today, I would really like to start this off. I'll introduce our guest here, Brett Frazier. I want to, you know, say thanks for joining us today. You're coming from north of the border. But before we get too much into, you know, your lynx hunt and your dogs, I, I want to explain something here. Buddy has really, how do I say this? To have him here on this podcast right now, I'm very it's thankful. It's a, it's a pleasure. <laughs> it, it really is because about five minutes ago, Brett and I didn't know if he was going to no show or not. Now, buddy, would you like to explain to the class why you weren't here when you were supposed to be and why you left me and Brett here hanging? Um, no, <laughs> you just involved a, a dog, a couple dogs, a mountain, and maybe I just didn't pay attention to my calendar this morning. So I just, I want to hammer this home to all of our customers out there. I know everybody wants to talk to buddy, but I, I know he would agree with me here. If you want something done, <laughs> if, if you don't want something to get screwed up, don't rely on buddy. <laughs> That's a fair statement. <laughs> We love you, but but you just can't count on it. So anyway, buddy, I know you've known Brett for some time. So why don't you uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce him a little bit, and then we'll we'll let Brett kind of get into this lynx hunting, and we'll explore yeah. a different avenue here. So Brett, you've been a customer for a while. You're where are you out of? What what town? Uh, Williams Lake. W Williams Lake. Okay. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what what you do with your dogs? Um, so if you're not familiar, Williams Lake is, is BC, Canada, and you, you do some bear hunting and some lynx hunting, and I imagine some some uh, lion, longtail too, right? Yeah, you betcha. We, I pretty much, I, we're pretty fortunate up here in Canada. We've got, a, especially in British Columbia, we've got a general season for almost every species of predator and, and a pretty long one of that. We're allowed to run uh, lions from September 10th, I believe, until the end of April. Two lions per resident. And we can hunt lynx from November 15th till, I'd have to check the rags, but February. And bobcat, depending on where you're going, like I'm kind of on the border of a region down here. So then we can hunt bobcat for probably three or four months a year as well. You don't have a lot of bobcat up there in your, your country though, do you? Not directly where I'm at here, no. But I can get in the truck and drive an hour south and get into them pretty heavy. Do you like chasing the lynx more than bobcat though, I'm assuming? Lynx would probably be my very favorite of, of any species and probably just because they're so plentiful. Like I could literally just walk my dogs on foot out the back of my property and probably get a lynx running most days if there's some snow. That I was really surprised when I, I went up there and hunted kind of south of you uh, um, with uh, Stuart Frazier at a, like Itcha Mountain Outfitters, but he's, he's just south of you coming out of Quiznell and, that's what I was really surprised with is how many um, links are up there. You know, I mean, you didn't have to go very far to find a track. No, the population numbers of the links are, are, it's just insanity to be honest. Like I don't, I don't, I guess the rabbits or whatever, the habitat's good. I don't know, but you could drive around for weeks looking for, for a big Tom line track and not find one. And I mean, you drive past literally hundreds of links tracks in that amount of time. Like you, yeah. they, the chance of you going out and looking for a lynx and not running one every day is, is pretty slim. Like there's just that many lynx around. Yeah. Is it just lack of predator? Like they're kind of top of the food chain around there. Yeah. I don't really know much that really eats lynx. I guess, you know, maybe cougars and 
if a wolf got one, they would imagine they would eat it, you know, anything that's opportunistic. But uh, yeah, lynx are pretty safe out there. They're pretty crafty animals and depending on what habitat they're living in, they can do circles and burn and wheel all day and nothing would catch up to them anyways. Yeah. So you're a uh, bear right now, right? You're, are you, are you actively, what, what's your bear season? We cut you off before you finished your, your little intro there. Bear season just ended uh, last day. June was the last day for bears. So I went out pretty hard that last day there. She's over now. I'm sitting for a couple months. No, no fall season for bear or anything, huh? It's all spring. No, we got a fall season that starts September 1st and goes till uh, the end of November, I believe. Okay. So the hunting opportunity up there is, is really good then. I mean, it sounds like houndsman paradise. Yeah, it's unreal. You can run your dogs 10 months of the year up here. So, so you would rank lynx as your favorite um, out of the three or four game species, I guess? Yeah, I would say lynx would be my favorite. It's my favorite hunting. It's just, it's busy and it's all day. And, you know, the odd time you'll dump on a lynx and just run it. And you'll jump it right away and run it and tree it. Nothing to it. Just a real quick, nice run. But there's lots of days where, you know, especially if the temperatures are cold, lynx don't heat up at minus 20. And dogs have a real tough time doing anything at minus 20 so you know i i have a it was that was minus 17 when i was up there and i had a hard time <laughs> i was like dude we, it's cold yeah it's cold cold and them links just run and run and run and run in that in those conditions and do circles and loops and you know lots of times you start to cut one or two dogs on one and then let's see where it goes and if they're going to jump it and you start running it hard cuts them into it but there's lots of times where you keep a couple of fresh dogs in the box at all times because once you're four or five hours in and you finally get that thing to pop across the road you want to be right on top of it pumping a couple of fresh dogs and how do you uh navigate your wolves that was a big thing that i, I whenever uh, we're starting to get them here but nothing like what i seen when i was up there i mean it was just uh to give you a an example our first track we you know we didn't know what we were going to do it was, it was me and, and don gilbert and and i just got to ride along quickly on a on a short notice kind of deal he's like yeah i got to go up here for some a, a dog deal and and he's like you want to go and so i hopped in the truck and and it was like a day and a half notice you know what i mean it was pretty much less than 48 hours i was in the truck on my way to to bc so we we decided each to grab two dogs and and uh the first track we turned on for, for a lynx hunt, we didn't, I mean, we, we, Bobcat, you know, our dogs know Bobcat and, and Cougar, but we didn't know what they're going to do on a lynx. And, and they were kind of, it, it was kind of weird because they were kind of like, oh, I'm not sure if, you know, you could just tell they're real. Is this a setup? Yeah. They were like, this is not a Bobcat. This is not a Cougar, but it kind of smells, you know, it kind of smells good. And, and so they, they never, they didn't take it like, I would have expected them to take a cat down here. You know, they were real hesitant. It was really um, unsure. They didn't commit fully. They'd boohoo a little bit. And uh, so anyways, uh, we never got lined out and we were sitting there scratching our head like, this is going to be a long trip. Like, if this is how we got to catch a lynx, you know what I mean? Our, our dogs suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we'd better find some, somebody that's got some dogs. And, uh, but anyways, the point of that story was, is we come out of there and as we're driving out, um, less than three, four hundred yards above where the dogs were, there was like a couple, a, a pack of wolves came into them across the road, and so that 
we don't know if the dogs were smelling the wolves. I mean, we don't, I, I don't know, but that was kind of like the, Oh, you know, shit. We're not in Kansas anymore. You know, for, for us, <laughs> it was like, this is legit. And so what do you do to, to try to mitigate that? You know, that was something that would just hit us like a brick wall. And we continued on. And then the second track we caught, we actually caught, and, and it was a real smoking hot track. Dogs screamed out of there. I mean, like they'd done it a thousand times. You know what I mean? It was just a nice, clean race, a, a good cold trail, a jump, and a, and a tree. Anyways, we come out of there. We went back the next day, and I'll be damned if there weren't wolf tracks following our foot tracks to the start of the – to where we turned loose and went right down the dog tracks. And, and so that was – it was like a one-two punch. It was like, man, these wolves are not – they're actively hunting the dogs. You know what I mean? That's what, what that told me. So what, what's your thoughts and how do you deal with that kind of pressure? Well, I mean, the first thing I do is, is run a pack of uh, all intact males. And I just think that once you kind of get a real good pack of all males that all live together and hang out together, I think they kind of pack up themselves and act a little more like wolves. So I feel like I have a little more comfort in it. And don't, I don't have no scientific knowledge and if that helps or not. But I have a little more comfort in running a bunch of big-bodied male intact dogs, thinking that maybe they'll defend themselves a little better. But I'll tell you this, like, I try to keep an eye. I try to know where the wolf packs are, and we try to keep in our mind. You know, if we see them, I'm mentally remembering what side of the road, that road they're on. You know, and then if we go around and we get our, our hunting anywhere near it, it, if I can make a loop around them and know that they're in there and know that they've left, then maybe I'll move over a couple of roads and try to get away from the wolves. But we're up here in country where the, the reality is there's wolves and there was, there's wolves everywhere. Our government's done a poor job to, to try to manage it or do anything real about it. So you just kind of run, try to try your best to run around them and, and have a real good idea where they are and, you know, watch what you're doing. You know, if I, if there's a smoking fresh lynx track, I know it's like a half an hour old and I know there's some wolves near, I'll probably run that lynx. But if yeah. it's, a two day old links track that I'm in a cold trail for most of the day, then there's probably a good chance I'm going to carry on and, and look for something better. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Knowing where they were, like, like that was the one thing that with, with Stuart, he was like, well, we're going to have this side cause we know they're over here. So we will hunt over here. You know, that was just kind of foreign to me. I mean, I'm, I'm used to going hunting where I want to hunt and, and uh, not having to work around the yeah. apex. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's definitely nerve wracking. Like, man, the the wolf the wolf deal is a real is a real pain, and it sucks. And I've had wolves get their dogs get chewed up at the odd time by them. Normally, it's bear hunting because you, you know without snow you don't know where the wolves are. Yep. In the winter time, usually a guy can kind of do his best to to hunt around him and stay as far away from him as he can. But when you're guiding and stuff, there's going to be times when there's wolves around, and you'll maybe have to walk a track on foot with a couple of dogs until you get it jumped, and then you know, do your best to stay with the dogs in there. And then once they get a tree, there's somebody there. Cause we're, so what do you do for the bear hunt? You know, like you say, without snow, I mean, how do you, how do you mitigate the, the, the bear season? That would be my biggest worry. Yeah. And you roll the dice and every time I've had dogs get chewed up, it's been during bear season. And I'm real fortunate that I've never had any get killed because I know quite a few guys who have and good dogs normally too. Right. But yeah, if I see tracks and stuff in the mud during bear season and I know where there's packs hanging out, I'll probably try just not to hunt it around that area at all if I can help it. There's so much there's so much crown land and area around here. I mean, you can drive for miles and miles and miles and just hunt and hunt and hunt. Yeah. There's one other thing before I forget. I want to I wanna talk about your truck drivers, man. 
<laughs> we'll bring that up. We don't miss the Bears job. But we'll bring that. Up. We'll make a note on that one and come back to it. Don't let me forget. We'll circle back on the you know, truck drivers, <laughs> wolves, and truck drivers. Those are the two things you got to worry about in in, Cal- in Canada that, that I found. Those are my two fears. So, uh, as far as the the wolves up there, though, I mean, is there a management system in place? I, is it just not a good system? I mean, does do they understand that it is a real issue, or is it kind of just you guys are on your own. I mean, they've opened the season up. It's, it's it's open 365 days a year with no bag limit on wolves. But, I mean, there's so many wolves, and they're so smart that it don't matter how many you're allowed to kill or how often you're allowed to kill them. We'll never do it. You know, we need wolf trappers. And I think the most effective way that I've seen our government ha- uh, manage wolves is to fly in helicopters and gun them. gun them. Normally they go in and collar the odd one and then they come back with helicopters and chase the packs around and try to gun them down. But they need to do it more and they need to do it everywhere. Poor Stuart Fraser, he's going to lose his entire caribou herds out there where his, out, his territory is. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's uh, in the fires and I mean, there's a whole bunch of, with, with, you know, talking to him that just killing them on some of that ground. So, well, it seems like hunting ground in general, you know, we lose X a percent every year. I mean, like me here in Southern Oregon, we have wildfires every year. It just, it happens, you know, uh, even down to just, you know, logging, which is a good thing in the Pacific Northwest, but it changes our hunting habitat so much. And now we've had to make this shift to dealing with apex predators. I mean, some of the best hunting grounds around, like we're losing due to that. So I, it makes my heart go out to the guys like you that are making, you know, you're guiding. That's, that's what we're doing here. And you're fighting an, an unknown battle. You know, you, you've got your hat in the ring, but really you're just doing the best with what they give you. And that's, that's gotta be a rough spot. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And I know like I'm all for log and I log lots when I'm not guiding and stuff, but, uh, boy, the way that we log some areas is pretty crazy. You know, you go out there where Stuart Fraser is, they've clear cut every tree for, for, you know, at times 20 kilometers at a, at a patch, you know, entire, entire forest. Like you get on a road that's a hundred kilometers long and there's no trees because they've cut them all down. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, interesting. So let's, let's circle back into links and focus on, cause I think that's the, the species that you're you're most passionate about and and it's something that we just don't have down in the 48 so um what kind of dogs if if, if so you you multi-use but what kind of what kind of dogs do you like and, and what do you like about you know a, a cat dog a lynx dog that that you would you would take over another dog well i think first and foremost i need these dogs to run every species and to run them real real well so the uh the very best luck i've had with dogs have been uh like more your dry ground style like southwest style breeds you know probably more like stuff that guys down there are using a lot more i think than guys here in canada but kelly morton has got has done a pretty good job to to get a lot a line of dogs going and maintain it for a real, for a pretty long time and has got uh made some good connections over the years and i've been working with him and getting dogs make through him and and they've been about as good as I can find. I use a bunch of black and tan dogs that they have around here, a line of dogs that some guys in BC here use, and they work real, real well for me as well. They'd be every bit as good as those ones that I get from Kelly. 
and uh, Lancasters use them and Jason Nutini and you know most of those guys who are who are like your real top-notch cat guys I think probably are running that line of dogs here today what do you like about them just their nose cold nose one I shouldn't say just their nose I mean they're such a dynamic breed of dogs both both ends they're just those bigger body cold nose houndy type dogs who are going to punch through the snow and three three feet of it and and cold trail and you know stick with a mean bear on the ground or just go with the extra limit and these dogs are real real durable day in and day out running them day after day after day you know they from december till february these dogs don't get a day off they get a couple days off for christmas and they run every single day and then in bear season it's normally the same way they run it we're running them every day so whenever you uh so so for lynx mostly and some of this is due to the wolves right but you're looking for a, a warm track a hot track right i mean it, or or how do you hunt how do you start your lynx i mean what describe a lynx hunt for people who maybe want to come out and do one or something well we basically are going to drive down a road and the first big magnum lynx track we find dogs are going on and and it could be six days old or it could be 10 minutes old you know if the dogs will push it then they're going to go and if they won't push it then we'll go find another one you know especially at the end of the if the conditions are great and it's everything's perfect then yeah you're just you know there's not much cold trail and you're going to run lengths are going to be jumped in 20 minutes or half an hour and away you go but when the conditions get tough uh, you know there's some days we'll cold trail links all day and probably not have jumped it that day some days we cold trail links all day and don't catch up and those are you know usually the end of the season when the conditions are starting to get bad the snow's real hard and frozen and that was one thing um that i noticed was different like for me going over there and it was like it's the first cat i mean it doesn't matter we're not you know uh me and don we were just like what do you, what do you mean we're gonna pass this thing <laughs> you know what i mean this is this is a cat we'll catch this one and, and continue on and and he, and he said he goes you'll never get a big one if you don't if you don't pass these ones, you know? And so that was so different for us is, you know, just cause there's so many of them. Yeah. Um, you know, to, they're a lot more selective on the track size, you know, th that we noticed. It was like, so what is a Magnum links up there? I mean, cause like down here, I mean, a big Bobcats, I mean, what 30, 35, yeah. I mean, 35 yeah. is a monster cat for around here. Mm -hmm. I think I'd love to kill, you know, every lynx that we kill, I'd love to be over 30 pounds, but it's a little bit unrealistic, but we're probably trying never to kill anything under 25. You know, there's a significant difference in a big male lynx track and a female track. Mm -hmm. And, and we, I'm trying to only run those big male lynx. And, and there's, there's times too, you know, we're not going to, I'm not above shooting the odd female, you know, for, for if a guy wants, that's what he wants to harvest or it's a lynx that he thinks he needs, or it's a good run or whatever, you know, we've had guys that aren't as mobile as other people. And, you know, you get a decent lynx track on the edge of a road in a real good chunk of country where you're going to be able to get a hunter to a tree real easy. Then, you know, I'm going to put then guys going to put down on it and run it. And, yeah. you know, and we've yeah. killed a few female lynx that are nice, big, beautiful lynx. But for the most part, a guy's trying to put down on those great big male lynx tracks and that's all you're trying to harvest. And and one thing I probably should should note is you're you're guiding for you know as an outfitter for somebody, correct? Yeah, you bet. So, so that would make a big difference, you know, for me as well. Well, let's yeah. plug it. What what's the name of the guide service? We've got them on yeah. here. <laughs> Here's your 15 <laughs> seconds of fame. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, Kelly Morton hunting is what it is. Guiding for Kelly Morton. That was clear that whenever you're looking for it. So when you go out personally, do you hunt personally too? I mean, if you don't have a client, I imagine you still, if you're hunting every day. Yeah, well, I'm hunting personally. Like we're just hunting every day. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, if we don't have clients, then we're just running around still hunting. And yeah. So, do you still are you still selective about the tracks you turn loose when when you're hunting when you don't have a client when you're not hunting for for a client but you're just out there hunting for the dogs and you're not really going to harvest it or you know maybe you do I don't know but is that is it different do you hunt differently when you have a client there as far as whenever you don't? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when I have a client, then we're 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 trying to just chase big harvestable animals right you know and then and we're trying to get them their animals as quick as we can and give them as good of a time as we can do it but when i'm by myself man i'll send it on anything if it's like you know i'm not chasing like family units and stuff but i don't if it's a small female truck I, i'm not gonna harvest it i'll just dump dogs let them go sit and eat a sandwich watch the gps's listen when they get her treated we'll go i'll go in there or, or they make loses you know Links are tough. Conditions can mess with them, but but terrain can too. You know, you get into a patch with a lot of blowdown and stuff, and maybe they jump on a few logs or tree to tree to tree, and the dogs are stuck tight doing circles, can't figure out where it went. So a guy runs in there and gives them a hand, does a circle around them, finds the out, puts them on the on the out track, gets them going again. So so what is uh, Jason? Go ahead. I'll let you go first. Oh, there was just a couple of things that I, I kind of want to touch on there. So when you're out hunting, you know, Brett and I were able to have a little bit of a conversation before Buddy joined us. And we were talking about just trailing, like even without the expectation of catching it, do you kind of treat your personal hunting time more as the training session for the dogs to work on that nose development? Because like we we were both saying, I think a lot of these dogs are a lot colder nose than people give credit for. It's if they know how to put it together and, and apply it to move in a track. So do you really just look at your personal hunting more as a, a training session for those dogs or, or do you go out with like the intention to harvest? No, you know what? I honestly think I treat every day as like a, as like a training session, even whether I'm guiding or not. So it's just, I, I, if there's if we're guiding and there's a huge track and we can't find nothing else and it's and it's a and it's old enough i know that we're not going to be able to just set dogs down and let them fly and i'm not much of a leash guy I just let a couple dogs out of the box holler at them get them down on it and let them go and let them try to slug it out and if i know that they're not going to be able to get it going then i'm strapping on a backpack and putting boots down and i'm going to walk it with them and you know there's times gotta walk half the day and if there's someone else there with him you can switch and walk out to a road they'll pick you up somebody else go in and keep walking and whether i'm by myself or or guiding i think i'm doing the same thing you know and it's just it's just to me how you make a good dog so there's there's times when i you know maybe it's a shade so i feel like having a lazy day and i'm just going to look for a fresher track but there's dang sure days where i'm not going to look for a fresher track i'm just going to put dogs down and grind it out and it's just kind of day to day. I don't really think my training or hunting really changes whether I'm guiding or not. And I'll, I'm adding more to the list, buddy, of stuff to go back to. So you, <laughs> you go ahead and we'll circle back. So uh, the links, like I got my experiences with links. I got a cut, you know, I think, I think we caught four or five on our, on our trips up there. And like you said, it was, um, it took our dogs uh, the first day, well, no, we did catch one the first day. The, the first links we didn't catch. They didn't commit. They didn't. I mean, they were looking at us like we were setting them up. But 
once they got the hang of it and there were some, there were some issues that, that I learned was once the smell was a little different, but it, it, the dogs did commit to it just like a, a bobcat, you know, once they, they knew it was okay. Um, blowdowns, you mentioned blowdowns and that was something that my dogs had to learn. I mean, it was, um, and I don't know if this is, uh, true for all links or all, but like a bobcat, a lot of times walks on top of the log and walks down a log a little bit. And it seemed like the lynx tracks that we seen going through a blowdown crossed the log. I didn't see a lot of lynx walking along logs too much. And, and that may just my limited experience. And so like a hurdle, like they're hurdling. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of walked over it. And, and I didn't see them a lot of times walk the logs. And so my dogs would hit that log and want to go check up or down the log and and then getting through those blowdowns which i, I can't i mean we, we we need a picture of some of that blowdown because it's impressive like i may have one on my phone or something post with this podcast it, it's the kind where you don't realize you're 15 foot off the ground until you're feeling springy well not only that but you're like 15 feet and you got hundreds of yards all around you that there's no easy way to get out of it it's not like you can walk around it millions of impaling devices below you <laughs> oh break your leg it, so the 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 links live in that right brett i mean they just that's that's where they like to go go trail through so my dogs had a lot of problems going through that by the end of it they were better so i think they learned how to navigate that but explain what you see as the big challenges for links because you do it a lot more than you know my very limited experience well, I think the biggest challenge would be uh, temperature and conditions would be the very biggest challenge. Because I think a problem that you really will see is once you get into like negative 20 degrees temperatures, the dogs just, it slows them up and it slows them up bad. And I think it, I think there's stuff, it freezes the scent or something. I don't, I don't think they smell as good in those temperatures as they do in, in the warmer temperatures. But then the lynx also don't heat up at minus 20. Like if you feel a lynx fur, they are built for minus 20. That's that's their that's their perfect weather. They just run all day, not heat up, not have a problem. It's just their perfect jogging weather is minus 20. And then conditions make a big difference too, you know, especially when you get like a couple, two or three feet of snow and then maybe you get a bit of, bit of melt and then it crusts up. You know, those lynx are leaving little dimples in this in the crust as they run along and, and the dogs are breaking right through down to their bellies trying to battle through it yeah and my then, experience I mean, was was the first week of november and so i'm probably hitting the ideal conditions because i don't like uh, that that three four foot of snow doesn't sound in, enjoyable but um your early november when that first when that first you know snow starts flying that's is that what you would consider some of the easiest time to hunt then yeah i would say that is the very best condition that's the very best time yeah the nicest and especially if you're a guy coming up to this country with dogs going on a hunt and bringing your own dogs man if you come from like the late november till mid-december and i mean it just doesn't get any better than that it's like light fluffy snow and some days you'll get up and it snowed an inch or two overnight and you only had three or four inches on the ground now you're on the same playing field. The, the the earlier in the season it is, the nicer it is because the lynx aren't floating on top of the snow. They're on the same field as everybody else. They're sinking in the snow the same as the dogs or anyone else are. But once you get into the heavier snowpack and stuff, then of course they're not sinking in the snow. They got those big feet. But early season is a very prime time. 
Well, and I'm assuming early season temperatures are a little better. Cause so when you're saying that negative 20 is there, that's their jogging weather. If you come earlier in the season, is a link something that, you know, once you get under it and you get it jumped, it just starts sweating good and, you know, putting off more scent and makes it a little easier where in the colder conditions, you're just kind of trailing and hoping they pop up or will they actually jump in that negative 20? No, I mean, they'll get them jumped, but you'll, you'll see at negative 20, they're not like running them, burning them up like they are at minus five or minus 10, but they'll definitely get them jumped and run them. You know, we've caught we caught a lynx last year. I think it was minus 32 when we left in the morning and it warmed up to about minus 27 or so. And it was the first warmed day with up. hunters in camp. We, we had a real nice Tom link circled off in a real small chunk. The chunk was probably three kilometers long and a kilometer and a half between the road we were standing on and the next road. So we went ahead and set dogs down and they ran it good for about an hour and a half. And I'd seen where they'd kind of stopped and made a real bad lose. And then they, they, they tried to go to trail out of it, but they just kept coming back to that one spot. And we, I should have got in there quicker than I did. We were parked over on a road. I had to run a few hundred yards across an opening to get to the edge of the timber. So I went ahead and strapped up and got in there. Well, of course, as soon as I get in there, right where I think the lynx might have treed, sure enough, the lynx is treed. So we ended up catching it, which is, it's harder to catch them in that temperatures. I haul them hollering at the dogs to get over here and locate. Lynx jumps out of the tree and takes off. I put the dogs on the track and they looked at me like I was like I was stupid and there was no lynx track there they could ever work. And I just watched the lynx walk away. So of <laughs> course, Matt, I get on the track, walk it out, get going. And, and and in five or 10 minutes, the dogs got going and ripped on her again like they did. And we treated it in a, probably another hour or so. We worked it across his face and ended up getting a treat again. They did a lot better where they treated the second time. But it's just... Is there a rhyme or reason for that? I, I don't know. I don't even know what to say in a situation like that. You know, these so dogs you think- burned that lynx track out at the start of the day that was old that was older than it was when it jumped out of the tree and I tried to put it on it. And they look at me like I'm silly. Yeah. See, have, you, have you done a lot of uh you know what they call dry ground or or bare ground, you know, hunting? You know, you say you get those dogs from Arizona and stuff like that. Have you done much of that? Well, yeah, I mean, we I've caught plenty of cats with no snow right. but i don't go out on september 10th and start walking them through the through the desert out by the river trying to catch dry ground lines yeah, the only reason i ask is that sounds a lot familiar to some mm-hmm. of the the dry ground guys you know what i mean like and and i wonder if that's why you like those types of dogs is because th- that same, same style same style same story could be told in the in the I say the desert, but you know what I mean? In some of the, the, the warmer climates, it's like the extremes. You know, you got the really extreme cold and then you got the really hot. And, you know, uh, so I just, I was just wondering if maybe that's why you like some of those dogs is because that's how they act in the, in the summer too. Well, look, look back at, you know, the Warner Glenn episode we just released and hearing about, you know, helping the dogs and it, it seems really similar, which kind of honestly, Brag, blows my mind because I figured it would be a lot different than what you're explaining up there. You know, I think of cold and snow, but, you know, really what you're saying, it does line up a lot with these dry ground lion guys. I mean, it makes sense. I, I just find it really interesting. We're speechless now. Oh, we lost them. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if like the temperature and the humidity in that makes a difference, but... 
I don't know. There's some days where I feel like it is, it would be a real more of a, of a comparison, you know, that real cold, dry weather would be more of a comparison to like dry ground. First and foremost, I look for in a dog is, is their nose, like their trailing ability, how cold they can go. Cause I mean, up here, it, there's times when you're in big Tom country, when you're chasing lions and stuff, you know, and especially when you're guiding and stuff, if there's a track that you can't run, I mean, I just don't, it, to me, it's unacceptable. If there's a track there, you should be able to push it or your dog should be able to push it. I don't care if there's holes in the snow and you can see it, then your dog should be able to put his nose in it and at least go hold the hole the hole. And, you know, maybe he's never going to trail it fast enough to catch up to it, but he dang sure better be able to trail it if you want him to. And that's just the way I hunt. You know, everybody's got a different style and beauties in the eye. They older. If you're happy with your dogs and they work good for you, great. But that's how, that's how I feel about hound. I just want them to be able to trail because up here in some of the conditions and the way she goes, sometimes if the dogs don't trail, then they're just not much good for me. Um, so let's talk about your truckers for a minute. <laughs> 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 laugh. Jason, I don't know. You, I've, I've heard you uh, describe it once or twice. It seems oh my like gosh. Brett, you, your truckers do not slow them. They don't care. <laughs> they they got a load of logs and they're and We're talking down. log haulers, right? <laughs> yeah, we're talking logging trucks. I mean, these guys are, they got 64,000 kgs on behind them and they got a certain amount of time to get to the mill. You know, the turnarounds are tight. They have what they call turnarounds and they give these truckers, you know, depending on where you're logging, when you make the contract with the, with the, with the logger or whatever, with the mill, they give you a turnaround. And that's how long it takes from the truck to, to go from the mill to the bush and get loaded and back to the mill. They do not factor in traffic. <laughs> a, 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 a guy, a guy from the lower forty-eight sitting on the side of the of the road trying to start a cold track. You know, watching some dogs work. Boy, we were on a corner, and and I remember seeing it coming through, and, and I got to a spot where we could see the truck. You know, a, a good couple hundred yards. You know, normally over here you get a couple hundred yards to wave at him, and this guy, I mean, he is barreling. You're watching his wheels start rolling. You know, and I'm thinking, I think the thing's coming over. I'm looking for something to jump you know what I mean? i'm about ready to jump in the brush and you know it's like this is over you know what i mean i'm looking for a soft spot at this point i don't care if it's a yeah and uh he didn't even miss a beat just grabbed another gear and boom, right around the corner and i'm like holy crap so we started paying attention to the loggers and they don't call out like at least in our opinion they didn't Not like down here no no like every half mile you'll hear a, a call out you know oh you know five and a half you know coming out loaded i didn't hear that very much out there they're just like you get out of their way truckers have the right away yeah well the way it works up here is i think the truckers basically uh are calling the every five or so kilometers if they're loaded and if nobody's calling back to them then they just they assume nobody's coming that's how it kind of how it goes but yeah no they don't they're She's pretty sketchy around here in the old Loganville. You want to keep your truck off the road as much as you can. And if you hear a big truck coming, you probably want to hold your uh, the doors on the dog box closed till the truck gets by. Then maybe get the dogs out and start cold trailing after that. Yeah, no, it was insane. Like, you, like you said, you I'm pulled way off the road. Make sure your doors are closed. <laughs> I mean, you, or have good coverage, full coverage insurance, I'm sure. <laughs> and life insurance. Not yep. just, you know, you got, yeah. you got more than just your your truck. You're, I mean, you want your good life insurance too. You make sure your wife's paid good. Pet insurance. <laughs> oh, no, it was, 
it was you know because we, we have a lot of logging out here brett i mean like i the one of the first things i put in a rig is a cb because that's what all the loggers use out here and and so i'm, I'm used to talking to them and, and running my way up there and and like i said over there it was just like whoa that's a little different <laughs> you know what i mean they they didn't slow down so um I would rank that as I don't know if that's worse, or better, or worse than the wolves. You know, on the danger level, I don't know what you guys picked her, but at least you know where a truck is. Yeah, yeah. You know well, I've never had a, I've never had a serious issue with the truck yet, and I've had had the wolves chew me up a bit. But yeah, I'll tell you where you guys were hunting too. Stewart's got a lot of, there's a lot of logging traffic out there in that area. You know, there's, it might have slowed down a little bit now because they dang near logged all the wood there is to log out there, but that. I think in its heyday, they they got 120 or so loads going out of their day. Whoa! Wow. What uh, what what does that do for the links when you see you, uh, habitat wise? You know, logging help hurt. What what are your links like for habitat? Well, I don't. I haven't. I don't hunt enough in that area out there that's really been logged. Like, would they they chase the pine beetle around? So where Stewart is, west of the Fraser River, there. The pine beetle devastated everything and they we didn't have we haven't had that kind of logging where i in a lot of the areas i hunt quite as bad so i haven't seen real noticeable difference in the logging areas with the links and the rabbits and stuff but uh, if you ask Stuart fraser the same question he might dang sure have a different answer for you yeah you say pine beetle right so like a, a beetle that is killing the, the trees yeah it's called the mountain pine beetle and it came through and and basically just devastated our our uh, population of pine west of the Fraser River, all, almost all the way up the entire province. Well, Jason, what do you got? What, what time are what? we running? Uh, we're running about 45. Okay. I, I did have one I wanted to circle back to because it just stood out when, when you were talking about, you know, running tracks and guiding versus, you know, going out on your own. You, you said family unit a couple times, which I think is something interesting to a lot of us. I mean, do you see these links staying in a family unit more so than like you would a bobcat? You know, because usually it's, you know, you'll find a bobcat here or you might find a, a tom chasing a a female during breeding season. But are links more of a, a family unit? Is that something you got to be careful with? Well, I've seen like, uh, I've seen lots of females with, with a couple of kittens with them. And I've never actually seen a lynx with real tiny kittens or tracks of a lynx with real tiny kittens. But if there's, if there's more than one, I'm not messing with it at all. I'm carrying on. And actually the most I ever seen, I we actually visual, like seen them, drove up on them, seven lynx all hanging out together. And I couldn't have looked okay. at any of them and said, those two were kittens or those two were kittens. You probably could have looked in the, a couple of them looked like they were probably bigger toms, but for the most part, you know, they were all adult looking links and here's seven just hanging out, having a little lynx party. That's interesting. Cause that's not normal, <laughs> you know, for what we're used to down here in the States, you know, even, well, buddy, you do a lot more cat hunt than I do, but I mean, what about kittens even with mom? You, it's not something you see a ton of, is it? No. Um, I've seen situations where I've seen tracks in the mud and, and known there was a, you know, like a kitten around, I guess, but I, I can't recall, you know, come I've seen more links cross the road than I have Bobcat, to be honest with you, during a race, the one race I had, which we will get into, 
um it was i mean it was a circling you know back on its track uh interesting rate and we watched across the road like three three different times you know uh and i've seen you know maybe that many bobcats that i've seen cross the road during the race right so, um but but i can't think of like kitten bobcats you know that you see like i said if, if we see something we know that there's a, what i guess you would call a family unit we we kind of avoid that too so actually i take it back i i did um i did one time have a uh walk into a it was a really cold tree if if you will um a little boohooing you know what i mean i couldn't figure out what was going on and uh i was like what the i was kind of getting irritated you know it was like a uh, it wasn't a race it was just a, a a tree and so i walked down there and there was there was actually a couple uh kittens and a and a female that were must have been right there and they just climbed the tree oh, and the God. dogs it it was no race it was no nothing to it and and so that was a young probably the young bobcat so that was interesting but it was totally different it wasn't a race it wasn't nothing it was those guys just were lay up yeah they just laid up right there and, and i was actually going down irritated because i couldn't figure out why they're training yeah and so uh funny that you mentioned the links crossing the road there buddy we this that's one of the reasons why i'll keep i try to keep a few dogs in the dog box at all times because it's quite common you get into a links race and then they'll start to crossing back and forth and getting to going roads and you know some guys will laugh and kind of think well I, how could you have a problem catching a cat especially in the snow well it's not like that you get into a chunk that's a kilometer by a kilometer and the links is now done 10 kilometers doing circles inside a kilometer by a kilometer piece. Like you go in there and sort it out and try to figure out which track is which and which one you're running, you know, and sometimes them dogs are just burning circles in there and it doesn't even appear that they're, that they don't know what they're doing. And all of a sudden they slow up for a sec or can't connect, can't make the connection on a, on a cross where a trail crosses a trail. And then before you know it, boom, Oh, links cross the road. It just crossed the road. We've seen it out here what do you want us yeah. to put dogs on it and then you come out <laughs> with them other dogs and get them in there well that was what happened on this one is we were coming back and and the dogs blew up in the truck it was in the in the rig and uh you know like Stuart, and he's like well let's we'll try it we were heading back to camp you know we were we were about done it was in the afternoon and so anyway, we turned his dog we just turned everybody loose and uh in fairness to Stuart, he doesn't hunt like like we do like i was out this morning that's why i was late right i'm, I'm exercising my dogs i try to keep them in shape all year and so come november even though i'm laying off of elk you know we're stewart's moose hunting he's got a lot of clients he's his dogs are laid up months before and so i show up with dogs in shape so i'm just gonna preface that but and that cat we, so we turned loose and and uh of course i want to go backwards the first time and i had a couple dogs that that turned it around and I told Stuart, I said, you better get your dogs this way because I'm pretty sure this is the way the cat's going. So they, they, you know, they're screaming on it. So this thing is just, they must've been standing in the road and uh, crosses the road. We watched across the road and that's why I tell Stuart, I said, really, my dog's got it going the right way. And so we get everybody piled in there and they scream up a couple hundred yards. I don't know what, you know, kilometers or meters, but a couple hundred yards, you know, meters, whatever. Don't they, throw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, they crossed the road again. And so we, this one, we didn't see it cross the road, but, you know, dogs told us to cross the road. And so we run up the road, you know, maybe a quarter mile. And, and Stuart sees the track in the snow. 
and uh, he, he's sitting on it. he's like it's right here guys and he's trying to call the dogs and and i'm with him and i'm listening to these dogs and these dogs are turning i can i can hear them they're they're coming right at us and then all of a sudden they do like a 90 and turn and they're going away from us and and you know have an argument there with Stuart. i'm like he's like it's gonna go right here i'm like Stuart, i don't know what to tell you but those dogs are turning <laughs> you know what i mean like they're not going this way like you have a lynx track i'm not gonna argue that that's it looks like the same one but that's not the track we're running you know and and so he he is dead adamant that they're going to do a circle and they're going to come back on that track you know he, he thinks that's the track that they're just, it's just going to go in a loop or something and we we're talking 10 minutes later i can hear the dogs and and i can actually hear my dogs you know they, they start to cuss a little bit you know what i mean they're getting pissed you know they're, they're like really getting into gear and uh, i have my boy with me so we run down to the truck and of course it crosses the road again and, and it starts stringing the dogs out like you're talking about you know what i mean it's just doing these tight turns and and uh comes in behind the truck and i'm running i grab my 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 phone out of my truck because i'm gonna try and video it you know because i'm just i'm amazed at how tight this thing is staying in this you know in this little section i'm like what in the hell is going on and uh so I get my boy and I, I'm like, it's behind the truck. So we run behind the truck and then it turns around. It's going in front of the truck. And I'm like, no, it's going to come in front of the truck. And so we run around the front of the truck and sure enough, we watch it cross and, and it, it had gone through. So again, like I preface this, you know, Stuart's dogs were, were not in shape. They were not in, in hard running shape. Like I would expect a dog to be. So his dogs are still going down the one way and this cat turns around and the cat's kind of weaving. I don't know how I, in my mind, I think it's like, threading a needle between the dogs you know what i mean like you can like dive like in a it. slalom you know what i mean like going through dogs like a slalom because my dogs are all you know up on top and i i watch across the road and i don't know maybe 50 yards you know 60 yards behind you know my dogs come across and they're all nice and tight and, and stewards are still going the other way you know they hadn't made the the the, the 180 hairpin turn down there and uh it was in, it was just insane that that cat took that much pressure and when you watch it cross the road it was just like hey what what's up you know those are those are your dogs back there and i'm like Ooh. so like you're talking about that that turning and ducking and diving i don't know if you see that often and we didn't harvest that cat we did catch it about 200 yards past there and poor Stuart was still sitting on that track <laughs> he was waiting for the cat to go to and never did but uh um it was just interesting. Like, like that was, I want to say, I haven't seen a bobcat track like that, but not that much pressure. You know, those dogs took a lot of pressure to catch it kind of like South Texas. And, you know, I was hunting with, with the guy down there and there was a lot of, a lot of that happening down there in, in that track. So you see that a lot, like, or males, females, I mean, you know, crossing the road. What do you see on that? Oh, I think the, uh, level of trickery from a lynx is probably right up there with expert. I, I, I don't, I don't know too many other cats that just run like, you know, I've seen where they have ran circles and ran circles and then line out and you're in there helping the dogs at this point walking and you see where they ran off and sat and turned around and, and, and you can see they turned and faced the direction the dogs were milling around. were like having troubles in and they've sat down and looked and just, <laughs> Watched the dogs and waited for them, I guess, to come around the corner and catch back up. To had, a, had a cigarette, yeah. smoked yeah. a little bit. Like, all right, let's get back on this. Yeah, it's there. And I don't, I haven't noticed a huge difference between males and females, but I will say I do think that males are easier to catch. I think that your, your, your catch, 
to lose ratio are going to is going to be a lot higher is going to be a lot higher when you're just running straight minerals i think they run a little bit easier but you think a lot of it's the scent i like because a bobcat i i think of a tom holding more scent than a female you know some of those smaller females are one of the hardest to catch it seems like yeah and i would agree with you i think just the males probably having a little bit more scent because i don't notice like a real difference in the way they run lynx traditionally aren't run the same and i've hunted everywhere from north to down the mountains of the kootenays right on the border of montana and they just lynx are lynx they run circles and then line out and run circles and then line out and it just seems to be what they do they just get into an area do a bunch of circles and then once they can kind of get the dogs to get a bit confused and they'll burn out of there and take off and line out and if the dogs are good and i think it's hard to say because i'm not in there i would think that scent relies more on it than sight because they're hound dogs but i think if they're getting enough scent and, and maybe there you can even see it they don't make those loses they'll just burn right through and i just find the the, the colder the dog is the better they're going to go through it but i also find that you make those cold dogs you get in there and you grind them out and you help them and that's how them dogs get better and better and better. And they just learn to believe in their noses and just go and go. So do you think that there is a lot of running by sight? Because I think that's a, that's another thing that not many people get a chance to see in action. You know, like I remember, shoot, it's been years with my buddy Brandon. You know, he would brought this dog out from back, you know, I think it was Montana. And I'm watching this dog and I said, that dog's running that track by sight. Like it's barking. And it's putting its nose in it, but I, I don't think that that thing can smell anything. You know, all the other dogs are running over it. And I know I just went down and started putting little, you know, indents in the snow with my fingers. That dog ran over and checked every one of them and started barking, you know, and there's obviously no scent of game there. So I think that that's a trait that's really interesting and not very many people see. Do you see more of that? You know, you get in a, a big patch of snow and they might have a hard time trailing it but they start moving it faster because they can run it by sight? Or do you think they really just rely on that nose more than anything? Uh, it's, yeah, it's a million dollar question. I, and I, I can't answer it, but it's hard to say, you know, I think some of the, sometimes some older dogs, I think start to know what they're looking at. And, you know, you can drive down a road with an old dog and, and he's looking at tracks or you can walk a group of dogs back to the pickup down a road. And, you know, maybe there's one or two older dogs, that you can physically see they're looking at tracks as you're walking them down the road. Mm -hmm. you know, the rest of the dogs are just smelling and putting their nose in it. And you can see other dogs are looking at them. Right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they can, maybe they can't. It's just interesting. Cause it, like I said, there's not many people I talk to that even bring up the subject of running a track by sight, you know, or, or even knowing it's there. But I think, you know, the way you said you're walking these tracks out, you know, you're hunting a lot like those Southwest guys where it's it's kind of that lost i don't want to say lost art but it's not as prominent as some of the other forms of hound hunting across the u.s yeah, I think, yeah and i uh, think especially with technology today you know a lot of guys sit in the truck and, and look at the gps screens and stuff which fair enough and you know if i was doing it for fun and never had to and never did guide or anything maybe i'd hunt a little bit different but i think just the way i hunt and the way you know we guide and stuff i don't it's a real tough pill to no no or we can't do it is a real tough pill to swallow for me. So I, I would just assume walk all day. And and at the end of the day, if I don't catch something, I don't feel like I could I didn't do it. I still walked all day and those dogs trailed all day. So so you know, I just feel like 
I think a day of trailing, not catching something is probably worth, you know, a handful of you having a couple of quick hot runs and popping something in a tree. I just don't, I just don't know if you can bring those fundamentals into a dog if you don't put them down and make them push and push and push. They got to have those hard days. Yeah. Do uh, only other thing I want to touch on was rigging. Do you do you rig any cats? And how? I mean, I'm sure you have the occasional one, but do you mostly hunt snow for lynx? Or if you're driving, and the, does your box blow up? I mean, it, what, what you know? Do you rig for bear? And do you do you hunt cats differently? Yeah, I mean, I would say I I do hunt cats differently, and yeah, I definitely rig for bear. But uh, if we're driving around in the snow and I had a box blow out and them dogs all started striking, I'm, I'm opening the doors and we're going to see what they're, what they're striking. But for the most part, I'm not tying dogs up on top of the box trying to rig with them. It's yeah, negative 20. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, there was no, like, no hunting like a rig down here in, in Oregon. But they did, mine did rig out, out from inside the box. I was just curious if, if yours do that quite often or what you're yeah i mean it's not like super common but i mean they'll strike tracks if i if you get to drive up and find a fresh lynx track there's a good chance a couple of dogs are going to bark a bit but and it goes back to the same thing maybe they're looking at it you know you drive up to a track stop and look at it the dogs can see it too maybe that's what they're barking at but the fresher tracks you know it's not uncommon for a dog to bark a bit at it and usually you're colder dogs yeah no that was just one dynamic that was different because that's how we have to hunt unless i'm in snow but we have to hunt solely on the dog striking a cat and uh it was different over there we we had some days that was iced over and and you just i mean it was miserable to try and find a track and so i told Stuart, i was like well we're just gonna hunt I mean, we're, we're here so might as well hunt what we can and, and rely on the dogs more than than our eyes so. yeah and i think like if it got to like conditions being tough and me running out of snow and that type of stuff then i i would probably be rodent dogs you know, driving them up and down the roads, areas where I know there's links or where I know they're probably Which is have apparently a good chance of Canada, right? <laughs> you yeah. guys have links yeah. everywhere. <laughs> well, the majority of British Columbia, for sure. Yeah. Well, but I mean, they do like inside of those areas, Jason. They do have habitat, more like frequent habitats, like wetter, swampier areas. Pockets. Your, your, yeah, your rabbit habitats. Anywhere where there's real good rabbit habitat, then you're gonna have a high links population. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah, that was one thing that we once we started seeing rabbit tracks, he's like, "Yep, there's links here." You know, if you said if you see rabbits, there's going to be links. In, in well, it's like that dead wood. You know, like I just talked to somebody the other day. You know, we were talking about you know wildlife, and when you walk through a patch of woods and it's dead woods, like you know it, you're wasting your time. Like you don't hear birds chirping. I'm not hunting it. That's it. Like there's nothing there. So I would imagine it was a lot the same your way is those little pockets. Well, man, yeah, you bet I, it is. You I drive think down we... a road and, and uh, like, it's like you said, you could drive down a road that's got four big clear cuts on it, and and the clear cuts probably would be pretty quiet. But if you come around the corner and that clear cut turned into a real tree line, thick wet spruce forest, there's going to be a bunch of rabbits and lots of lynx. Yeah, that's awesome, Jason. I, I think we've gone through our list pretty good on on some of these subjects. We still need to get we missed one a, a story. Yeah, we need a train wreck. <laughs> yeah we had a good train wreck last year 
I probably shouldn't even tell this story, but uh, those, those are the, the best, best ones. <laughs> say, hold on, let me get comfortable. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so we didn't have hunters for a couple of days, and my brother, he works on the railroad, and he's got uh, some hounds and stuff too. So he'd come down and had a few days off, and we were in between hunters. So he run down to where we were staying south of us here and was going to come hunt with us for a couple of days. And, of course, there's one dog there, which is a pretty good cat dog, but hadn't been ran much. He, uh, We were going to go and get a lynx going or run whatever we could. We had tags for everything. I think we had lion, bobcat, and lynx tags at this time. So we first we say we're going to go find a bobcat. And we don't run as many bobcats, so, you know, it's a little more intriguing for us to go run a bobcat. We're going to run a bobcat. So we run around, and we find an older bobcat track, and, well, we hum and haw, and, well, let's just go find a fresh lynx. Okay, so away we go. We find a fresh lynx track. Put a few dogs on it. He wants to get his dog on it because, of course, he hasn't been around, and he wants to get his dog run. So, sure, you're like, we're big-time lynx guides, you know. There's no way anything's going to go wrong. We've been running lynx all winter. <laughs> and that's when it starts. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we could put down a bunch of our better dogs and, and my brother's dog and away we go. These dogs act like they haven't seen or run a lynx track in their entire life. <laughs> and we've just spent two months running lynx every day. So we barrel down off this hill into this swamp and are walking around trying to get this lynx going. And the lynx track doesn't look like it's as old as the dogs are telling us it is. So we push them and push them and push them. Finally, they want to put their noses down and get, pushing it themselves without any help so we go back to the road and we're hanging out hours and hours of them just cold trailing little tiny zigzags and back around and then back around so eventually we hike in there and i'm thinking who knows what they're even doing they might not even be on this lynx track anymore like how can they cold trail a lynx for three hours and then not get any fresher so i go in there they're still on the lynx track Everything's good. They're cold trailing along. We come back out to the road. Now we're happy. They're doing what they should be doing. This is the best day ever. Like a day of cold trailing for these dogs. Oh, this is what it's, this is what it's, for. it's all for. Justifying. <laughs> yeah. About an hour later, they are jumped and running and running hard. And this at this point, the conditions are bad enough. You can't like, and not in all spots, you can't even see a lynx track. They are walking like right on the crust, not leaving a track. So they, they come out to this old skidoo trail and I've, I've now ran down the skidoo trail Mach 1. I get a pickup down around them and I'm running into them to see, I just want to see what's going on. Well, they have picked up a coyote and they are running this, they are now running the Coyote Indianapolis 5000. <laughs> <laughs> we can't stop these dogs from running them. We can't tone them off it. Finally, after this coyote's like in this chunk where I got to and he's the coyote just starts running circles and I'm not familiar with running coyotes. I don't do it. Well, the coyote's like been running like this massive oval. I can't get the dogs cut off or get into him. Finally, once I get onto the oval, the coyote turns back and leaves the oval. We're about an hour and a half running this coyote, knowing that we're running the coyote. Everyone is now yelling and swearing at each other on the radio because all these dogs are running the coyote. Finally, this coyote goes away and blows onto this main road. Well, then it comes back to the same thing. We're on the uh, busy trucker highway out in the bush now. And the coyote <laughs> I'm is glad we touched on that. So people have a little bit of history on that. Okay. So like, and it, and it, you probably can't appreciate how stressful it really is until you know how many of these big trucks are going down these roads at the speed they're going down it. And now you got six dogs running a coyote at 30 miles an hour down the same road. 
probably the opposite direction of the truck right <laughs> oh i think them dogs probably went four or five k down the road before we finally got them caught up and cut off and all the dogs picked up my brother's so mad and he gets in the truck we all get in the truck and he's all like well oh, i don't know what to do <laughs> like well, what do you mean well i I got to find someone to give this dog to get rid of this dog to or something. Can I even give it to somebody? Maybe it'll go as a pet. <laughs> like, dude, it's it was a pretty good the cat guts dog. It hasn't ran anything in like two months. It ran a coyote. Like, it looked good doing it. Yeah. You keep it then? I'm like, well, I'd probably give it a few more chances. Yeah. Let's just chalk that one up to a bad day. Hey, if you're going to trash, just run to catch it. I mean, like, if you're half assing it, that's not cool. But if you're going to commit, you better commit, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> I I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I hate the dogs trashing, but boy, if they're gonna trash, they bought they better try to catch. They're barely looking good doing it. Probably yeah. sounded real good, huh? <laughs> Jump oh, coyotes, yeah. pretty good race. <laughs> yeah, for the first half an hour of that coyote race, we were really cheering the dogs on. Oh, they're they're gonna treat it soon. They got it. <laughs> Listen to them go, man. They got it lined right out. I've that never seen a lynx just a... run like that. I've never seen a lynx run like that. Yeah. <laughs> That thing better find a tree, man. That thing that's gonna gonna catch that thing. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that's a good one. I, I, I that kind of hurts just listening to that. I, I probably, I think we've all because you've been there. We've all been there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Shoot. All right, Brett. Is there anything you want to cover before we wrap it I up? I think we've kind of covered her all. I guess. Yeah, I think so. We'll have to have you come back and maybe talk some bears sometime. But the Lynx is, is so unique. I wanted to really want to talk to somebody. Had a lot of, like I said, I had, or I've been there, but I not nearly the experience. And and apparently in the 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 easy weather, <laughs> you know, November weather. And I don't know that I want to go try that minus thirty. Yeah, <laughs> so I, don't, I may just pass on the hard stuff. I'll let you guys, I'll let you hard guys go. You handle that part. Leave I don't it to the want professionals, to go, buddy. I don't want to go. I don't want to go test out the minus thirty stuff. I'm, I'm going to stick in the in the northwest. So, well, thanks for coming on, Brad. We really appreciate it. I know we've been trying to link up for what the last three, four weeks now, and then Buddy almost no shows and screwed the whole thing up. <laughs> Kelly, <laughs> Kelly Morton didn't show up. Yeah, yeah Kelly, it's too bad that Kelly couldn't uh, make a commitment. He's just been so busy the last little while with a fresh baby. New and, baby, you know, yeah. Puppies and jobs. And well, that, let's that. stay in touch and we'll just reschedule, you know, the next one. We'll, we'll let that baby grow up a little bit and maybe we can get Kelly. Yeah, actually, on. I think uh, the plans are for Kelly to actually come out and uh, do some running with me here in September. So uh, I don't know if you guys are free. That'd probably be a good time to get all four of us or oh, sweet. Yeah. one thing together. Yeah, we should try that. Dutch. All right, Brett. Well, have a good one. Thanks again for joining us. And no, uh, thank you guys for having me. It was a pleasure. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. You betcha. Take care, guys. Uh, see you, bud.